Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. We started a, uh, a new series which is simply called Vision. And so we started that last week with, uh, with Pastor Miles uh, preaching across all our locations uh, via video, which was, which was amazing. And um, we also announced last week, as you are no doubt aware or um, you know, received our emails, if you're on our mailing list, that we talked about a transition in leadership across Elevation as a whole. Uh, not Rachel and myself, we're, we're here for the long haul and excited for all uh, that God is doing. But we talked about a transition in leadership across Elevation from Pastor Ross and Kathy Abraham to pastors Miles and Bonnie Paladin, which will take place officially on the 1st of January uh, next year. And we're excited because we're excited to see uh, where that takes uh, Ross and Kathy, who are also our denominations uh, leaders across the nation. So to see them uh, step into the, the future that God has for them and also uh, for us here at Elevation, we're excited. Um, as I said to our leadership meeting when we announced this um, a couple of weeks ago, it's great to see a, a healthy transition. Ross and Kathy aren't stepping out because of moral failure, misuse of funds or a board or elders that, you know, have no confidence in them. Um, it's simply a change of season and focus for them. And unfortunately, even in the church world, that's not always the case, but we're excited to be able to build upon uh, under Miles and Bonnie's leadership the uh, foundation that has been um, just poured out uh, and just um, yeah, just poured so so strong um, for elevation going forward. So uh, we're excited for that. But last week, Pastor Miles spoke about our vision and mission statements, but he centered uh, mostly on our mission. And so our vision as a church, our vision statement is to multiply healthy local churches to transform cities. That's that's what we're that's what we're all about. Um, my favorite definition of vision is that it's a clear picture or a preferred future. You see, vision doesn't just accept the status quo. It looks beyond what's currently in front of it, and it pictures what could be. It pictures the possibility of a future that's different to right now. And so we have our vision, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about today. And then Pastor Miles last week spoke about our mission statement, which is how do we, how do we get this vision done? We see this, we see this picture of a preferred future with healthy, uh, multiplying local churches that, that transform cities, that reach people, that, 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 that see restoration come to, to families, that see people saved. And so uh, last week we talked about our, our mission, how we get that done. Uh, and it's a statement that we use a lot. It's, it's that we create environments that inspire intimacy with Christ, relationship with others, and influence in our world. And so last week, uh, Pastor Miles broke these three areas down. Uh, we were talking about intimacy with Christ, that it all starts with our personal relationship with Jesus, that that is the center out of um, from where everything else flows out of. Uh, Rachel talked about a couple of weeks ago that, that, our, that our being with Jesus comes before our doing for Jesus. That, that first and foremost, we are found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But, but we know that we're not called to do life alone. In fact, everywhere in the Bible where it speaks about relationship with God, it then moves very quickly to talk about relationship with people. 
Uh, uh, one, of the, one of the spots that it does this is when religious people tried to, they tried to trick Jesus and ask him what the greatest commandment was. And so his response was to give two commandments, not because he was a fence sitter and like, oh, I don't know if it's this, I don't know if it's this, so let me just give you two. No, no, he, he, he gave two because they're intertwined because you can't have one without the other. This is in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. Uh, it'll be on the screen behind me. Jesus replied to, to this question. Um, he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So we love God. We, we're about creating an environment that inspires people to a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Uh, but we're also about connecting people together in relationships, and the third part of our mission statement is influence in our world. They were called not just to have a great time here together in this room, but for all of us to go into our worlds, into our workplaces, schools, universities, our homes, our social groups, sporting clubs, wherever we go, and to influence them with what Christ has done in us. That the grace, the love, the peace that God has poured out into our lives, we, we, we we're on mission to take that wherever we go. And so today I, I want to bring us back to that, that vision again, that clear picture of a preferred future. Uh, a key scripture for us is found in uh, Habakkuk, which is a uh, prophetic book of the Old Testament. Uh, chapter 2, verse 2, it says this, Then the Lord answered me, speaking to the prophet Habakkuk, and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. You see, first of all, what we need to understand is that the vision that we get is ultimately, it's from God first. It's not thought up in a creative meeting, even though creative meetings are great. We didn't scope out the best churches in the world and think, okay, we'll take a bit from here and a bit from here, put it together, and then, that, then that, 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 that's our vision, you know, that's, our, that's our result. If you're of... Um, my vintage, um, which has just ticked over the, the 40 mark, I'm still, still dealing with it a little bit, but if, you, if you're with my vintage, you may remember these amazing magical discs called CD-ROMs. Now, if you don't know what that is, just tap like an old person near you and they'll, they'll, explain, they'll explain it to you later. Okay, but I remember being in about uh, year seven and year eight and um, Encyclopedia, who remembers these? Encyclopedia Britannica on CD-ROMs. And Encyclopedia in Carter on CD-ROM, and I thought I was being really smart. I'm sure my teachers knew that that wasn't the case, but I remember just copying and pasting um, assignment. Um, answers, but from the two, because I was so smart, you know, so it can't be plagiarism, I'm sure, if that's a bit from Britannica, a bit from Encyclopedia, sort of mash it all together, and then, you know, A+. Plus. I'm, sure, I'm sure they knew, but they were probably, they were probably lenient. But, 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 but anyway, um, that is not what we've done with vision. We, we haven't just done a copy and paste from somewhere else, and I want to encourage you for your life personally your life is not a copy and paste from somewhere else either. God has called a specific calling for you. He's called you into a community of believers. He has a general call over all of us to, to reach people 
for Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the you know, when Jesus is about to ascend into heaven and it's going to all the world and preach the gospel. You know, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the outermost parts of the earth. We all play a part in that. But the part that God has for you is not just something that you come up with with a copy and paste from other people. It's something that God has specifically for your life and it fits into His overall plan for the salvation of the world. You see, the clear picture we see is a healthy church that's multiplying and not stagnating. Health doesn't mean perfection, but health means that we're all on a journey. Who knows that health takes work? It doesn't just, doesn't just happen, unfortunately. Who knows when there's health, there's still, there's still problems to solve. There's still injuries to work through. There's still mistakes that happen. But hopefully we're on a bit of, a, bit of an arc, a bit of a trajectory that says health and wholeness. And that's our vision as a church. The people are being raised up, released into their gifts and their callings. They're called to be influencers in their workplace, in their families, like I said, in their friend groups, wherever they are, all because we're about seeing a city transformed. That's people's lives changed by the power of the gospel. That's hope being restored. That's identity being formed. That's families being built strong. That's, that, that's men stepping up and taking responsibility to lead their homes and lead their families. That's, that, that's women knowing that their identity is found in God and that He has purpose and destiny for their lives. And now, I don't know about you, but as we start to speak about that, that to me, I, I know I'm the one saying it, but I think that sounds pretty awesome. That sounds like a pretty, a pretty good picture. This is a picture we see of the church into the future, that, that, that multiplication would take place not only in our lives, as in not that we all have babies, although some people, some people will, but uh, some people are done. We're very done, in case you're wondering. But anyway, um, you know, you know, but what, what we'll see is that the fruit that God produces in our lives, it, it will multiply out. That, that, that God will use us to reach more and more people. And ultimately, we believe that this church is called to be a church that plants other churches. That sees uh, the cities around us in Western Australia come to Christ because of a healthy, local, multiplying church that's transforming cities. But I don't know about you, but I've always found that wherever there's a vision, there's a challenge that comes to vision. There's a challenge for us together as a church and for each of us as a challenge as individuals as well. You see, maybe you're here and you have a vision for your family, a clear picture of a preferred future, but at the moment, it's nowhere near that. It feels like maybe there's just constant you know, conflict or strife or arguing or unmet expectation. Maybe you're here and you're married and you have a vision for your marriage a vision of what it could be like, of openness, of excitement, of intimacy, of being vulnerable with each other. But at the moment, it's none of those things. It's just the daily grind, take a kid here, take a kid here. You know, what are we having for dinner tonight? What are you doing? You know, what's, you know what do we have on? Or, or, or maybe you're here and you have a vision for your career, but it feels like it's stalled. It feels like it's going nowhere. Or, or, or maybe a vision for your business but maybe COVID has hit your business hard and cost of doing business has gone up and staff is hard to find and interest rates are on the rise and all those, all those challenges that we have. Maybe you have a vision to see your family saved. 
see them walking with Jesus each day, but it looks like they're just walking further and further away from him, not towards him. You see, the challenge of vision is always the tension of two pictures, of two screens, the now, what I'm facing right at this moment, the current situation, and what could be. There's the, there's the picture and the truth of what God has spoken over our situation, over your family and over your life. And then there's the lies that the enemy wants to bombard you with. You know, that will never happen. Why don't you just give up now? Just, no, no, you, you, you couldn't do that. Just, you know, aim, aim for lower. Your family won't get saved. Have you met your family? Like, yes, I have met my family. That's why they need to get saved. Or, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is for you, but that's a false story, a false narrative that the enemy speaks. I want you to have a quick look at this image uh, just on the screen behind me. I apologize for the bad quality. And no, I wasn't too cheap to buy it. This is the only place I could find with the photo dot, you know, whatever. This, this image um, is of Natalia uh, Dimitrunk. I'm sure I've pronounced that incorrectly. And she's down in the bottom, uh, your right-hand corner there. Uh, she's a Ukrainian sign language interpreter, and this is taken from November 24th, 2004, during the Ukrainian elections. The, at that time, the incumbent leader of the Ukraine was unpopular with the people, but was Russian-backed by Vladimir Putin. Uh, Viktor Yushchenko was challenging him, and all the polls were pointing to Yushchenko winning. There were allegations of um, voter intimidation, um, you know, media bias, fraud, all those sorts of things. And, th and then what happened, and what this picture is from, is this during this live broadcast, um, Natalia, she refused to translate the official script that announced the Russian-backed leader as the winner of the presidential election. So deviating from the official script followed by the voice announcer, Dimitri instead signed to viewers, this is what she said in sign, she said, I'm addressing everybody who is deaf in Ukraine. Our president is Viktor, our president, sorry, is Viktor Yushchenko. Do not trust the results of the Central Election Committee. They are all lies. And I'm very ashamed to translate such lies to you. Maybe you'll see me again. Her solo rebellion sparked a stop work meeting uh, by 250 of her newsroom colleagues who made a broader stand for truth. Hundreds of her colleagues at UT1, that was the TV channel, um, who were inspired by Dimitrink's action, confronted the network's owners chanting no more lies. It has been said that this was a catalyst for what became known as the Orange Revolution, with over a million people flooded the streets of Ukraine in only a few days, and the government was forced to hold elections again, and Yushchenko was the winner. There's this incredible story, incredible bold act of bravery by this lady right here. But right here, looking, looking at this picture, if we just keep it up for for a while, uh, I believe so often this is what our view looks like when it comes to vision. See, there's, there's, there's the now, there's what the news readers are reading, uh, you know, the, it's the corrupt script that's given to them, you know, by, by, by the enemy. And by the way, this is not a wider comment on, you know, like government, whatever, anything like that. We're just, we're just talking about vision today, by the way, right? Just to be clear. But there's this, there's this, this picture 
I, I believe, so speaks to us of what our vision looks like. So often there's the tension of the two. There's, there's the now. There's a what's being announced by the enemy, what's being announced by the world that, you know, you won't make it. Your family will never get restored. No, you've blown it too many times. That could never come to pass. I know what you like. That, that, that won't happen. But then, then there's, there's the little box. There's the picture within the picture. It's the one that God wants to speak to you. It's the one that speaks to potential. It's the one that speaks to God's plan and purpose for your life. You see, Natalia was signing an alternate story to the audience to uproot the now and to bring about a preferred future. You see, there's a picture within a picture. And so today I want to encourage you when it comes to vision for you, there's a picture within a picture. There's, there's, there's the now, which is not where we want to be, but there's something that God wants to spark and speak to us about the potential of the future, about God's vision for our lives, about God's vision for our church, about those promises that are from Him. And, and you might be thinking, great, I'm on, on board with this. This, sound, this sounds great. So how, how do we actually, how do we do this? How do we step into this type of life that God's calling us to. And so I want to take us to an incident in the life of an Old Testament prophet by the name of Elijah. And it's going to give us some direction and encouragement as we come around this whole topic of how do we find the vision within the picture? Does, does, does that make sense? And so we're, we're going to look at this guy, Elijah. I'll give you a little bit of a background before we jump in. So he's a prophet in Israel. He's God's man and he's been challenging the evil and ungodly king whose name is Ahab. Amazing miracles have taken place. There's been a drought throughout the land that Elijah actually declared by the power of God. But there's this great challenge against Elijah's life right at this moment. So into this season of drought, Elijah is about to speak to the king and he's about to declare that rain is coming and the drought is about to be broken. So let's pick it up in 1 Kings 18. This is verses 41 to 45. We'll be on the screen behind me. It says this, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of, Mount Car the top of Carmel, and then he borrowed, sorry, let me start that again, from verse 42, because he didn't borrow anything. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went down to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and he said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. This crazy story, right? So, so Elijah's there. He gets the word from God that the drought is about to be broken and now it's time for rain. He's so confident in the picture that God, has, that God has given him, that he even tells the king, the unbelieving king, the evil king, by the way, 
hey, there's, this, there's an, a sound of an abundance of rain. That, 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 get ready. It's coming. I, I, I know it's coming. Has, has it, can he see it yet? No. Is it there yet in, the, in, the, in his main picture? No. But it's in his little box on the right-hand side there. It's in the picture in the picture that he sees. You see, and so what does he do? He bows down to the ground and puts his face between his knees. Has he, has he lost it? Is he in the, you know, the fetal position, just like freak, freaking out? No, Elijah is in prayer, believing that the will of God will come to pass. This is a stubbornly persistent prayer that Elijah has. You see, what was he doing? He was keeping God's picture of the future right in front of him. Not the picture of the drought that was in the land at the moment, but the picture of the Word of God, of an abundance of rain that he'd already spoken to the king about. And then he's there. I, I won't do it because then you'll have to see me, you know, sitting on the ground. But he's there with his face between his knees on the ground, crying out to God, looking at that vision and that picture of what he believes that God has declared to his life. See, I've found that God wants to fill our hearts, our minds, our, our spiritual eyes with, with vision, with a clear picture of a preferred future, not just once, but daily. Not just one time at some, you know, amazing meeting or, I don't know, you're out on the rocks and, um, you know, the sunset was spectacular and you felt God speak to you. He does all those things. We have those, uh, we have those you, know, you know, massive moments with God, but they're not just one time and then He leaves them. He wants to fill us with a picture and a vision of the future each and every single day. You see, a daily picture of, I will see my family turn to Christ and humble their lives. A daily picture of I will see personal breakthrough in my life. I will see His kingdom come and His will be done in my workplace as in heaven. A, a, a picture that I'll look to to focus on the truth of who God is and His plan for my life. God wants to give us a picture not just once, but each and every day. Each and every day. So this morning as we wrap up the next 10 minutes or so, um, what, is, what, what can we learn from vision from this? Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Number one is that vision starts with seeking. Vision starts with seeking. Elijah knew God's will and was confident in it. You see, so often, sometimes we come up with a vision for our own life, and then we ask God if He can bless it. So God, uh, uh, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm doing. This is the way I'm going. Can I get some blessing down here, please? Can you just, can you just help me with where I'm going? But have you come up with your own vision and asked God to bless it? You know, a bit of copy and paste, Encyclopedia Britannica here, Encyclopedia Encarta here. Oh, this person's life looks nice. Oh, great shot on Instagram. That can be part of my life. You know, have we just amassed this sort of picture from somewhere else? Or have we truly sought God for what He has for our lives? You see, vision is far more about listening to Him and seeking Him than it is about our own speaking ability. It's about a listening ear. It's about starts with seeking. See, what, what, what do you believe is the clear picture of the preferred future that God has for your life, for your family? Parents, what, what is God speaking to you 
about the picture or the vision for your children, for the, for the lives that they're going to live. Uh, I have three key things that when, when I pray personally for our kids, that I pray over our kids for them in, in, in my own time. Very simple three things. I pray health and wholeness over their life in every area, body, soul, spirit, health and wholeness. I pray that they'll have a love for the house of God because we are sold out for the local church and believe it's God's plan A. And so my kids, I, I believe, and that's the vision that I pray into, that they'll have a love for the house of God. And the third thing is that they'll serve God all the days of their lives. The three things that I pray consistently into our, into our kids' lives. Are, are they very general? Yes. You're like, yeah, but there's nothing about them earning big money and looking after you in your old age and you know, all, that, all, all that sort of stuff. You know what? The rest of that, if it's those three things, Rachel and I are happy. If it's health and wholeness in their life, if they serve God all the days of their life and continue to have a love for the house of God, that's the vision, that's the picture of a preferred future that we are declaring. Will there be challenges to that? Yes, of course. Are there challenges to that right now? Probably yes, but we won't share them all with you. You know, there's, of course there is, but that's the prayer, that's the vision that they're praying into. Maybe you're a young person here and you're not sure about the future. Don't know what you're going to do with your life. Can I encourage you? Would you pray, seek, ask God? He has, he has a plan for you. I've found personally that He hasn't always revealed the whole thing to me. It's usually step by step. It's normally, you know, walking with God along the path. Other people have felt like they've got a vision and a dream from God right up front and then that's what they've shot uh, for their whole life. And that's what, God, that's what God's had for them. And that's, that, that's amazing. But I find that God always takes us on a journey. Uh, uh, maybe you're here and it's a changing season for you. May, maybe you may not be, you know, might not be young, but you feel like the same type of feeling. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. There's, this change has come. Something's, something's going on. What, what has God got in front of me? Can I encourage you? Would you pray? Would you, would you seek God? Vision starts with seeking. We have a vision from God for this church and we all have a part to play. Maybe you're not quite sure where that is at the moment. Can I encourage you? Would you ask, seek, pray to the Lord, where do you want me now? And if you don't know, just start somewhere. As a teenager, my first job was the overhead projector guy. Is anyone old enough to remember when words are like, I was like the overhead projector. First thing, one time, the, got the overhead transparency, got too close to the fan and got sucked in and was like, it's really, really awkward sound. Oh, sorry. Looks like we're not singing um, Jesus Lover of My Soul anymore. You know, whew, thank goodness. <laughs> it had been every week for the last 12 weeks. But, you know, like, just start somewhere. Start somewhere because God has a plan and He has a purpose and He has a vision for your life. So number one, vision starts with seeking. Number two, vision acknowledges the now, but focuses on the future. Vision acknowledges the now, but focuses on the future. Maybe Lisa can come and join me on keys as we get ready to wrap up. So you notice that Elijah doesn't put his face between his knees and forget about the current picture. Now, we don't all have servants to send out and check what's going on, but Elijah still knew what was actually happening. You see, we don't live in la-la land sort of five years ahead just thinking that the future is going to be great without taking care of the now. 
but we're not restricted to live by the current view. We place our focus on what's ahead. You see, how do you still do now? Sorry, how can you still do now, but with a view to the future? What would your parenting look like if you were not just thinking of how can I get through today and make it till they're all in bed, but rather, okay, no, no, God's given us a vision of how raising our kids, this is where I'm heading towards. What would your, how would you respond to your wife or your husband if you're married here, if you kept the vision in front of you of what you and your marriage could become? What would tomorrow or Tuesday, if you get the public holiday, um, how would your work life change today if you're filled with a God-given vision for the future? Now, now your vision in work doesn't necessarily have to be to you know, climb the ladder and get this promotion and go this place and, and whatever. You, your vision, and, and this should be part of it, um, could be about influencing your workplace with the Gospel. Could be about seeing your workmates come to Christ. Could be about how can you bring God's love and grace into that, into that workplace environment. How, how will you go to work differently tomorrow or next week or next term or whenever you go back? How do you go differently with a view to the future? With, with, with one that just doesn't look at the main screen, but looks at what God says, looks at that truth in the bottom right-hand corner there. So number one, vision starts with seeking. Number two, vision acknowledges the now, but focuses on the future. And number three is this vision takes time. For Elijah, we get it in one sentence, but it was seven times. He sent his servant back seven times. He's got his face down, you know, between his knees, on the ground, saying, is it happening yet? No, Elijah. Okay, keeps the vision in front of him. Is it happening yet? No, not yet, Elijah. Is it happening yet? No, not yet, Elijah, et cetera, et cetera, until we get to, until we get to seven. You see, seven times. Now, we can get a bit all, you know, biblical number-wise and say, okay, number seven of heaven, and seven is the number of heaven or number of perfection or whatever, and I'm sure there's a case for all that. But really what I think the Bible's teaching us is just about persistence. That vision takes time. It takes time. It was our um, son's birthday uh, yesterday, eight, eight years old. I can say this because he's not in here, out uh, in kids. And so one of the presents he got, come on, 90s throwback, was a, uh, was a set of rollerblades. Like, yes, I had a pair of rollerblades. Um, anyway, and so he straps them on, gets on, um, goes around the house for uh, a few little seconds, can't do it quite as well as, you know, because eight-year-old boys think they're just like amazing at everything straight away. <laughs> Get a few tears. Oh, it's hard. Like, it's all right, mate. Takes time. <laughs> takes some, take some practice. You can't just, you know, strap the boots on and think you're going to be going over like fully sick jumps and doing 360s and whatever, whatever straight away. Right, we did a few other times. We started to started to get there. Less weight lent on dad while you know going going down the hallway. But we all know this in so many areas. Yet sometimes when it comes to God's vision for our life, we forget. It just takes time. 
just takes time, just takes persistence. Uh, I believe it was Winston Churchill who said this very encouraging um, quote, uh, courage is going from failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm. Hopefully, hopefully there's some wins in there as well, but I think the sentiment is good. It just takes time. Sometimes vision takes time. And, and, and you know why? Not because God's just like, <laughs> let, let them suffer for a little bit while they, just, while they just make it through. No, no. What is God doing in these times? God, where are you? Where are you? Is the picture right yet? Yeah. He's developing us. He's developing you. He's developing our character with Him. He's developing our closeness with Him. He's drawing us into a more intimate relationship with Him. Maybe that's why you haven't seen the breakthrough yet. Maybe He's developing your spiritual eyesight, not just your natural eyesight. You see, Elijah kept praying until his natural sight lined up with what he had already seen with his spiritual eyes, with that vision that God had for him. So this morning as we, as we come to a close, I, I'd love to invite you to stand this morning. Let's, let's stand together. Ben's going to come and join me. Because I believe even in this moment right now that God wants to give you a picture, that picture within a picture, that, I'm saying like Leo, a dream within a dream within a dream, anyway. Um, but God wants to, you know what? The current picture might look like this, but God wants to put that, God wants to put that, that truth in the bottom corner there. He wants to put that truth. I, he's like, I know it's like this. I know that's the reality of now, but here's what I have for you. Here's the promise of you. As you lean in to me, as you learn to listen to my voice, as you learn to seek me, as you understand that vision takes time, as we acknowledge what we're in now, but then look to the future. God has something for your life. So this morning with every head bowed and eyes closed, maybe even this morning you just like to reach out your hands in a sign of surrender. I, I, I'm going to pray. And, and I believe that in this moment that God wants to come and speak vision, wants to come and give a picture. Have I ever heard a big booming voice of heaven audibly? No, but I have felt just something on the inside. God just encourage me or show me a picture or remind me of something that He has for me. So God, right now, I thank You over every single life here. God, I thank You for vision. I thank You for that clear picture right now. Lord God, I thank You for a clear picture of health when there's disease and injury right in front. I thank You, Lord God, for I thank you for a picture of overcoming when everything just feels like it's coming down on top and there's, and there's no way out. There's, there's pressure everywhere. I thank you for that picture of overcoming. God, I thank you. In families, Lord God, I, I declare a picture of salvation where it seems impossible for sons and daughters to follow Christ or for husbands or wives or cousins or uncles or, or brothers or sisters where they, they seem so far away from God. I thank you right now for a picture, a picture of salvation, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, where there's been grief 
and loss and, and no hope. I thank You, God, that You're giving in that bottom right-hand box, Lord. I thank You a picture of hope renewed. I thank You a picture of vision restored, God. I declare right now into the atmosphere, Lord God, into people's lives. Jesus, I thank You right now. A vision of purpose. God, for many here where it seems like it's just the daily grind, just spinning the wheels, just doing the thing. Work, come home, get ready, go back, weekend. God, I thank you right now for a picture of, a picture of purpose and destiny. And Lord God, particularly over young people here, I thank you for a great vision. I thank you for a life, a God-ordained life dream that you would place in the hearts of every single young person. Lord God, I thank you that you would fill them right now with your picture and with your fire right now. In Jesus' name.